0: Welcome to another episode of Nebraska Gems. With our in-depth interviews, we reveal the qualities that make the people that come from the good life who they are. In the stories you're about to hear, you'll get an understanding of why there is no place like Nebraska. And now, here's Tom Stevens.
1: My guest today has been in the radio business for more than 40 years. If you
0: listen to Nebraska
1: radio or TV, you've heard the voice of Joe scar numerous radio and TV commercials along with being a radio host. I first met him in the early 90s at the legendary rock station KFMQ where he was the morning host. Later he was paired with Tim Colley where they became the radio dynamic duo of Joe and Timmo. The format change made them separate for a while then they teamed up again at 92.9 The Eagle. Currently he's back at the Eagle during mornings with Scott K talking with my good friend for more than. 30 years, Joe Scar. Hi, Joe. How are you? How you doing? Man?
2: Good to see you. Good.
1: Uh, you're a Minnesota native. How'd you wind up in Lincoln, Nebraska?
2: Uh, you know, that long circuitous route that is uh, radio. My first job was in uh, Oklahoma, a little town called Pryor down by Tulsa. And I was there for about a year, getting my uh, feet wet. And then I ended up moving to Hastings, Nebraska, where I worked at KICS. And uh, from there, back uh, I was in Grand Island for a bit, and then into Lincoln. I'm guessing
1: that you didn't—you thought probably Lincoln was just a stop on the map, right? You didn't think you'd live here permanently. I'm guessing. You know, uh,
2: that would be correct. When I first got here, it was a a step on the map, and I kind of—I always wanted to go back to Minneapolis, but I mean, I've always loved Lincoln. And you know, you set uh, set up roots, you start a family, and life is good. The radio business was good, and we had uh, we had some good times. So. It is what it is.
1: Yeah, I thought maybe I'd be moving around. I stayed in Lincoln. Uh, obviously, you made it at a higher level than I did. What is it that has kept you in Lincoln?
2: Um, successful with the radio mm-hmm. job. But, I mean, I got married. I had kids. Mm-hmm. Kids go to school and just settled in and just settled down. And, and it was a place that I've I've always liked, and, uh, and I still like. I, I've lived in Lincoln longer than I've lived anywhere in my life. So, it's home. I left yeah. Minneapolis when I was... 19 years old so
1: do you consider yourself more a Nebraskan than a Minnesotan
2: you know I think in my mind I'm always going to be a Minnesotan but uh you know I think I've ingrained myself into a Nebraska life and I like I said I've been here longer than anywhere so
1: right you've had you've worked in a bunch of different formats you've done you know modern rock classic rock oldies current hits is there a format that you've enjoyed more than others
2: I think the format I'm in right now at the Eagle Classic Rock, I mean, that's kind of what I grew up listening to up in the Twin Cities. It was KQRS and it was, you know, it was rock at the time, but all that rock back in the 70s and 80s, now what we're still playing now is classic rock. So yeah, it's the stuff I grew up with, you know, the foreigners, the Zeppelins, the Bob Seger and all that stuff. That's pretty much my my favorite.
1: Well, it's the format that, of course, you became kind of famous, at least uh, in Nebraska for. If you listened to Lincoln Radio in the 90s, you undoubtedly had heard of Joe and Timo. They were wildly popular, extremely funny radio team for 13 years in Lincoln. And yep. it's my understanding, Joe, that you didn't even know Tim Colley when you met him.
2: I did not. Uh, in fact, it was the program director, Gabe Baptiste, who came into KFMQ at the time. And he said, uh, we got to get you a partner. And he says, I got a guy. I think I know this guy that would be a good fit for you in uh, – He's in Iowa, the Quad Cities, and Tim, I think, was working at WXLP, and he came in. And we spent the weekend together and just got to know each other, and thought, you know, yeah, this this sounds like it might work out. And uh, next thing you know, we got paired up at KFMQ, and then the rest, as they say, is history. It was, it was a blast.
1: You c- you couldn't have thought that you would be as successful as you were together, though, right? Well, you always hope. Yeah,
2: well, we cl- I think we clicked right away, and I think the audience liked it, and um, you know, we had a almost two years at KFMQ and then new ownership came in and they made their changes. They got rid of uh, Gabe, who was our program director and they made some changes formatically and we ended up being shown the door too. Um, But, you know, we were able to get back in Lincoln uh, a couple of years later at uh, the Eagle. And I want to, I want
1: to go into that, but what interests me about that time is that you, you weren't the only popular radio tandem in the market. Obviously KFOR had Scott and Kathy who were longtime radio personalities, extremely popular. Country radio stations were exploding at that time. There were two country and still are country radio stations that always did well in the ratings. You were competing against Todd and Tyler at Z92. Tim and the Animal were just coming on at the Blaze. And Nebraska football was 60-3. and I mean, you had a lot of competition back in the day. Did you ever think, man, this is going to be really tough to rise to the top in this market? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that plays into your into your mind. But I mean, basically, um, we just did our thing. We did our show and you hope that people like it and come along for the ride. And I think that that was one of the things that was a beautiful thing about the Joe and Timo show was we didn't talk at people. We talked with people. The listeners were a big part of the show. If, if a listener called up and it was funny... Who gets the credit? We still get the credit. It's our show, right? We we depended on the listeners a lot and and made them feel like they were part of it all, and I I think that they did. And so obviously you want to put out the best product, and you hope you have good ratings, and you hope that you rise to the top, like you were saying. But it, it's a crapshoot. You don't ever know for sure. You know, you just do the best you can and hope that uh, people like it.
1: So. Well, to do it, you have to have chemistry with something and uh, with someone, and you obviously did more than once. But Timo probably. As good as it gets. So we'll talk about your relationship with Jenna uh, a little bit later on. But you guys had the magic of it felt like you were just listening in. As a listener, you were just eavesdropping on conversations. That's the
2: ultimate goal for most
1: morning shows, isn't it?
2: That is. And that, you know, that was a big thing that when Gabe put us together, he said, I just want you guys to be you, but I want you guys to just. Be yourselves and make sure that you know you're talking with the audience, not at the audience. A lot of people are just doing the announcer thing and they're trying to just feed out the information or do whatever, but we just wanted to have fun and bring people in. His philosophy was, You want to be like your you're sitting at a, at a bar having a beer with you guys or sitting at a, at a place having a, having a cup of coffee with you guys and just feel like it's they're part of the show and they're part mm-hmm. of everything that you're doing. And I think that's a big thing. It's a big part of it. Yeah.
1: You talked about Gabe Baptiste and he was important in my life as well as your life. I know he was a mentor to you. He used to say to me and he was referring to Joe and Timbo. He said, you know what? I don't know that I want a radio station if people are not complaining. And occasionally your show was complained about. It It became a little blue sometimes and the jokes were a little sophomoric, but that was fun about you guys. He
2: was not bothered by criticism. No, and and that's the thing that you know. That's what makes it. That was, That's what gives you confidence as an announcer and as a person that's doing a radio show is to have those people above you say, "Hey, I trust what you're doing. You guys know where the line is." I mean, yeah, we got. I remember, you know, there was a couple of write-ups in the in the Lincoln Papers. They were reviewing our show and whatever, and we we had number one ratings. But I was like, "Oh, the the Joe and Timo and their scatological humor, or they're so blue, or they're they're like shock jocks." And it's like we never thought of ourselves as shock jocks. At all, we just were us, and then we talked about whatever we, we wanted to talk about, but we knew that line and we knew that we had Gabe's backing. And later on, Jim Steele was the same way when Jim Steele, when we came to the Eagle, and then Jim Steele became our, our program director. Well, his big thing was I don't care if people love you or hate you. I just want to make sure that people know you. I want you guys out there. We had billboards. We had best of Joe and Timo tapes. We had, uh, he, he just wanted to make sure that people knew us. And and yes, you're going to get complaints. And there's going to be people that don't like what you say, or maybe one day you say something that makes somebody mad. We always felt like if they called us and complained, I, I had no problem talking to them and putting them on the air and saying, hey, hang on, can we, we're not trying to offend you, but you know, let's talk right. about it. More often yeah. than not, the listeners would. You know they appreciate that. You know you right. treat them like like the human beings that they are. But yeah, we could be a little blue, but we knew not to carry it too far, except for the occasional slip. You know there were a few of those, not not intentional. And we were never yeah. trying to be like, hey, look at us. You know we're we're shock jocks. We were just you know we just felt like we were being who we were. Well, you had a nice
1: dynamic. Tim was kind of the news guy, and you know, and you were the guy that ran the show. But I thought your gift and correct me if I'm wrong, is just talking to people and getting you kind of had an Oprah way about you Could get people to say things. And sometimes they would call you up and be really angry with you. And then they would leave loving you guys
2: yeah that's a big compliment thank you for that i mean that that's true and we did a lot of phone calls and we did a lot of cold calls to like you know you see a, a restaurant in some town in west virginia where some guy had a thumb in his salad you know and it's like somebody's human thumb got cut off in the salad well let's call that place you know let's get the number of that yeah. restaurant call them up and we call them up and you know the guy answers and tim goes yeah i'd like to order the thumb salad and a guy hangs up on us. Well, we called him right back, and we talked to him, and it was fun. In
3: uh, Louisville, Kentucky, the Buckhead Mountain Grill. Bit of a problem there when a customer found a thumb in her salad.
4: I told What you. was the thumb doing in there, the backstroke?
3: No, it was hitchhiking. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, a 19-year-old kitchen worker had sliced off part of his thumb and thumbnail. I'd like the thumb salad, please. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've heard of finger sandwiches. We also have a thumb Thumb salad. (laughs) salad. (laughs) Anyway, this 19-year-old slices off a piece of his thumb. And uh, health inspector R. Leland Blankenbaker wrote that the piece of thumb flew into a salad preparation sink nearby. From what? And that the accident caused profuse bleeding. He sliced off a piece of his left thumb while chopping lettuce. And so they never checked the salads? Yes, they did, as a matter of fact. And just couldn't find it? Uh, The department said the restaurant followed proper procedures in dealing with the accident and disposing of the food.
0: Where they thought it
3: went. Where they thought it went. Apparently, though, it had flown into that salad preparation sink nearby and nobody noticed it. It ends up in a salad of a 19-year-old who uh, complained. Who complained. She didn't eat it. She found it. She had eaten part of her salad. But uh, the uh, health department inspector, Mr. Blankenberger, said that uh, they had no way of knowing that the thumb had flown into the sink. So anyway... Back to the uh, breakfast table you go. Anyway, I, I, yeah, just careful next time you order that salad. If you see anything on the menu called thumb salad, you'll be advised. Did we have a couple of numbers for this place? Well, well there's two locations of this place. The Buckhead
4: Grill and Bar. Yeah. Hey, there are two. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky. I don't know, so I'm not sure which one is the thumb place. But I expect it's worth trying either one and asking if we could have a thumb salad delivered. <laughs> don't know if they'll answer this early, though.
3: Good morning, Buckhead Mountain Grill. This is, is Steve speaking. Is it
4: too early to to place a,
3: a, a delivery order? Uh we can get a carry out order. Okay. I'd like a thumb salad.
4: Uh, we don't serve both here. Isn't this the place that had the thumb in the salad? No, that wasn't here. Was it wasn't. Your, was that uh, your other that location? Was, that was another, some other location. Oh, do you know the number of that location? Uh, yeah, but I, I don't think I'll give it to you. <laughs> well, we've got them both. We just thought we'd try this one first.
2: No, wrong one. Thank you. Okay, sure. no thumbs in your salad. <laughs> hello, hello. Oh somehow i got mark farner's phone number from grand funk we just called him up on his birthday he talked to us for 20 minutes we called harry Carey. we called you know we would just try to find phone numbers and try to find talk about stuff that people were in their regular lives that they were talking about. We interviewed a lot of folks, and I think one of the biggest compliments that we ever got from people in and outside of radio was that we did a good job interviewing people. And, and whether it was a, a funny restaurant thing or if it was a celebrity, we did a lot of celebrity interviews. And just, I think the curiosity for us was, I wanna know about this person, you know, whether it's Harry Carey or Mark Farner or whoever it might be. Ask questions that you think people are, are wanting to know. You know, yeah. our own curiosity. And and I think uh, Tim was a good interviewer too, both of us. Yeah. So I, I think that was a big part of it.
1: And there are some guys that just show up, turn on the mic and do their show. You were never that guy. You put in the prep hours and it showed on the radio. You did your homework. You knew what you were talking about. Uh, you took a lot
2: of pride in that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And regardless, I think both of us were the same way in that even if, if we had our whole show ready to go, and, and that's the beauty of radio, you, you could have your show all ready to go, but something happens overnight the next day, that whole show could be out the door. You could have the whole show planned out, but you know, you, you go where it goes with phone calls or whatever you're doing. I think the but where I was going with this is the both of us were such that even if our whole show was ready to go top to top to bottom, six AM to ten AM. You know, neither one of us was the type that would walk in the door at, at quarter to six. I mean, we were always there 45 minutes to an hour ahead of time know, make the coffee, read the paper, last yeah. minute details and just be ready to go and be awake and ready to go. I've, I've, I've just never liked myself. I've never liked just walking in a studio and starting like that. I like to prep and get the studio, get the music ready, know where we're going and just kind of
1: ease into it, so to speak. What's interesting to me about the era that you were in, the 90s, and we mentioned Scott and Kathy, they were number one at times. You and Joe and Timo were number one at times. Tim and the Animal had their turn. Of course, uh, Z92 was really good as well. What was weird to me, and I was in radio at the same time, working at a station called The Planet, alternative radio station, we were all friends. I mean, you you want your station to be number one But I was happy for Joe and Timo if they were number one or Tim and the Animal or Scott and Kathy. But it's weird that if
2: you do well, your friend could be fired because ratings were so important then. And they still are. And, and, and radio was a little bit different there because it was kind of at the beginning of the conglomeration where the, all the big radio companies hadn't started yet buying off the, buying the small ones and, and incorporating. Right. Where you know you had your your big your clear channels and stuff that came later. But we did know each other. That's the 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 nice thing is you would be out doing a radio event you might be doing a radio event or or you might be doing an event in town where there's other radio people there so we got tim and i were and you too we're all friends with scott and kathy and we were friends with tim we worked with tim and the animal before they became tim and the animal they worked yeah. in the same building with us tim tim was at klms while while we right. were on kfmq and, and john came in and worked nights at kfmq before we went to the Eagle. So we, we knew each other, you know, and, and that's the thing that you asked earlier, what keeps me in Lincoln? I mean, that was the other thing was like, we look at, uh, we, we've we known each other for f- 30 some years, and we're still friends. We don't see each other all the time. But a couple of weeks ago, you and I got together, and it was like, we didn't miss a beat. I mean, it, yeah. it's like, I have a lot of friends like, like that, that just in in the business and out. But It's just a really great community, not just in radio, but the people in the community. I mean, I'll go to the grocery store and people aren't afraid to come up and say, Hey, Joe, heard your show today. Or, you know, hey, you Mm -hmm. sounded good. Or, hey, saw you at Boo at the Zoo on Friday night. Thanks for, for doing that and stuff. You know, so, yeah, it's really pretty cool.
1: It's not quite the same as some of the mom and pop stations that we worked at in the 90s where you would just sit around after your shift and just talk shop. It's changed a little bit. You don't have necessarily nighttime DJs or overnight guys. It's all voice tracked in many cases. It's much more corporate. Yeah, yeah. But we've said this for a year. We've, for years, we've talked about the death of radio. Here comes satellite. Here comes all these streaming services. Mm-hmm. And yet stations like yours, the Eagle, still thrives. Why is that?
2: I think it's the product and I think it's the longevity. I think it's the history. I mean, I think we built up a pretty good history with the Eagle from day one. Before Timo and I were there, it was Neil Hunter and Bill Barker and those guys. And, And then we joined and they were still there and they're still good friends of ours as well and I think that it's it's becomes familiar I there at one point there were three classic rock stations in lincoln now there's the the eagle for the most part but i think i think it is the product and i think it's the people it's the i think it is the people that are there that people become familiar with and you can listen to podcasts or you can listen to uh spotify and get your favorite music but i think with radio it's like feeling like those guys and gals that are talking to you are part of your community and you feel like you know them and mm. if we can bring that to the audience they'll keep coming back i mean you can't get local news on spotify you can't get what's happening with the events in the city and we do a lot of things within the city you know i just did the announcing for the good life hazy and boo at the zoo and things that we incorporate ourselves into the community so you're getting much more than just the music if you just want a jukebox and you just want to listen to music that's one thing but i think people come to the radio stations to to feel a part of the community and to hear what's going on and we we do that i think
1: it's got to be weird being a part of not just one but two big radio teams in your career one actually longer than joe or timo people come up to you as if they know you I mean, yeah. it's it's a little odd. Like they feel like they know you because they've heard your story so many times on the radio.
2: Do you enjoy that? I do, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I've always taken pride in the fact, for me personally, I've seen a lot of jerks in this business. Yes. And there's a lot of times where listeners you can kind of, you're out in an event, say, and, and you can kind of see a listener maybe talking to their friend and pointing at you or talking about you, and they don't really want to come up and say hello, because there's, for whatever reason, they they don't want to do that or they're shy. I don't know if they're shy or mm-hmm. they just don't want to intrude. But when I've been out at events, I mean, I, I try to make it a point to walk up to people and say, hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm Joe, or, you know, hey, thanks for coming to my, my live broadcast here or right. whatever, because, you know, they're giving us their ears and their time to listen to us. So it's like, you know, I I like to, and I like to meet people. I like to get out and do those things in the community itself. It's just one of those things. And, And it's interesting when People recognize your voice. I was—I told this story just the other day when I was talking to some friends back home. I was in Carmen. My wife and I went to Minnesota before we had kids years ago. There was a thing in Stillwater, Minnesota called Lumberjack Days. And we were just walking with my sister and brother-in-law and some friends. And I was talking and somebody walks up and goes, hey, you're Joe Scar. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah. And I go, how do you know? They go, well, we live in Lincoln. And I go, how did you know? Well, we heard your voice. And I'm not kidding you. 20 minutes later, another couple come up and did the same thing it's unbelievable sometimes you know mm-hmm. you, somebody hears your voice and and hey are you on the radio or it's pretty special and it's it's pretty cool and,
1: well we talked about Joe Timo you were together for 13 years and that's never gonna happen in your career again and then you, <laughs> you <laughs> a, different, a different role I mean that longevity in radio is unheard of followed by another relationship that lasted 16 years and every bit is successful in Jen and Joe and yet totally different personalities. You're this cool jock in your 30s doing morning radio and you're the coolest guy in town to now going into your 50s and you're the dad on the radio as parents are driving their kids to school. How did you adjust to that?
2: You know, that was, I got to give a lot of credit to um, Jay Pat, who was the program director of B107 at the time. When I was let go from the Eagle, I started working part-time for a network in Omaha. And then I, was contacted by B107 and they had some part time stuff and I started working there part time. And then he wanted to get off mornings and just be a program director and the operations manager and asked me if I'd be interested. But, Mm -hmm. you know, he wanted to make sure that it was good with Jenna and good with me. But I think the thing that he said to me was with Joe and Timo, I did a lot of like, you know, we did a lot of comedy, song parodies, goofy, funny kind of blue stuff. Um, But he said, look, you know how to do mornings. but here's what I want from you. I want you to just be who you are. Be the dad. It's a different format. I don't need you to be writing funny comedy bits. I don't need you to do what the joe and timo show was because it's a whole different show you're talking to soccer moms and families and it was a totally different format the music was way different it was a more pop music and jenna had been there for a couple of years already and he just wanted us to be who we are and he said i think it'll work out just fine and there were some there were some getting used to each other and and i think making the switch from rock to b107 for me was that you know, a lot of times you're not really paying attention to the music anyway. As yeah. a, as, a, as an announcer, we're busy talking amongst each other. Hey, what are we going to do on this next break? Or hey, we got this break, but we're prepping and whatever. Mm. So you know, a lot of times you turn the music down. It didn't hurt that I love a lot of that music that we played anyway. And I've always liked just about every kind of music. So mm. there's a lot of it that I really did like. And, you know, I would punch around just like anybody else and listen. But I think that's what made it easy was just be the dad, bring to the radio show what you do on a daily basis. And I think that's all any of us can do is share who you are. And um, I was just talking to a different audience and toning it down from what the Joe and Timo show right. was. Yeah. But, well, yeah, yeah. The Joe and Timo show was
1: Harry Carey's funeral, which is hilarious, or the Super Bowl eggs that explode in the microwave, or, you know, yeah. ridiculous stuff that you guys somehow made funny. You didn't uh, try to go there. It was, a little more in the other direction, of course, cater to families. And we all remember Christmas wish. It's it's yeah. was so well done. A dad is down on his luck, he can't pay the rent. Uh, you drop by to either give him money or uh, food for Christmas or toys for the kids. And every year I listen to him, I'd go, I'm not falling for it again. I'm not doing and then by the, the end of the story I was crying every single time. There had to be times where
2: you found it tough to hold together it it's very much so um i don't discount the fact that it touched people i mean there were things that and when we did so many different things from somebody having a fire in their home and losing everything to uh uh, i remember doing one at a church where the pastor was trying to decide if he wanted we didn't know this at the time but this gal in the in the congregation had asked us to come to her church because she just felt like there was something that needed to be done for the pastor because he was kind of wavering he didn't know if he would wanted to be a pastor anymore he didn't want if he wanted to stay with that church and I remember Jen and I going to the service and then they got us up in front and we talked and he said you know i I prayed for a miracle today, and you guys just delivered but helping people and yeah, it was tough to do a lot of them and the the down on your luck stories but we tried to bring uplifting things too that weren't just always people that had medical issues or you know uh, really destitute, but other things that were like somebody just needed a a new computer. We got the most comments of anything we ever did out of Christmas Wish every year. And when it got close to about this time of year, we had to start recording those shows and going out and doing those up until Christmas to broadcast those during those three weeks or four weeks of, uh, leading up to Christmas. And Jen and I every year would be. <laughs> Uh, you know, kind of dreading it because it's a lot of work. You have to get the wishes that come into you, you have to read them, then you have to make the phone calls and set it up and you have to keep one person who who, who is asking for the wish, you have to make sure that they don't let the cat out of the bag because you have to have that element of surprise where you surprise and drop the wish on the person, you know, and it was a lot of work and then editing them and putting them together. But, but I'll tell you, by the time we were done with Christmas, very gratifying very satisfying and and being able to help so many people and 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 we lost some people along the way too in those 16 years there were people that had diseases and cancer and and whatnot that we did wishes for and then you end up finding out a few years later that they passed or whatever but really really a lot of work and we always dreaded it leading into it but once we got into it we just threw ourselves into it and like i said got so many comments from it and it was uh rewarding for us as well as the people that got the wishes so
1: well it was so genuine and those wishes the people are real i mean nothing is fake yeah,
2: yeah those are all real people that was
0: all those, not, that
2: those was, were
1: all real people and it was genuine and you could feel it and that's why It worked so well.
0: We'll be right back to Nebraska Gems after this. For all of your concrete needs, call Kramer Concrete at 402-560-0670. Do you have a cracked driveway or sidewalk? Are you in need of an egress window or an awesome looking new patio with stamped concrete? If so, call Tim Kramer at 402-560-0670 to get a free estimate. With over 20 years of experience, the Kramer Concrete staff specializes in concrete replacement, egress windows, and concrete patio design. Kramer Concrete is the low-cost solution to all of your concrete problems. Call Tim today at 402-560-0670. Thank you for listening to another edition of Nebraska Gems. We hope you're enjoying the episode. Don't forget to check out our latest feature, Quick Gems, where our guests share a few shorter stories that we think you'll find entertaining. You can find those and all of our episodes at NebraskaGyms.com. Every Sunday evening from 5 to 7 on 93.7 The Ticket and TheTicketFM.com. Tune in for the Husker Rewind with myself, Mike Melby, and my co-host, Tom Stevens. We'll have all of the latest on the Huskers, plus other happenings going on in the sports world. That's the Husker Rewind. Sunday evenings from 5 to 7 on 93.7 The Ticket. And now back to this episode of Nebraska Gems. But you go
1: from Joe and Timo, you know, a little blue, a radio show host, and, and that's what you were expected to do in your 30s, to dad radio uh, in your 50s. I think it was a great transition, and you did both really well. But did you feel for a time, I might be typecast. I'm, I'm, this, I'm Joe of Joe and Timo. How could I be Joe of Jenna and Joe? did you ever have that fear?
2: No, I didn't, but I didn't really have a choice because I was fired from the Eagle. And, you know, it's like, I remember when I started working at B107 part time, when, when I got fired from the Eagle, it was, it was a job and it was radio. And it was like, you know, the guy that hired me, Jay Pat was like, well, if you need to put together some tapes so you can find another job, you know, I, you know, I don't have anything full time, but you can come here and you can work weekends and, you Put together some tapes and find another job and i just said well jay i don't i'm not planning on leaving lincoln i was doing uh some stuff in omaha driving up to omaha every day doing a network job too but i guess it just came second nature to me it's radio right it's like right. whether i'm playing country music or or do like right now i'm doing i'm doing news on the morning show with Scott. right and, then and then you're I great do. at it by the way you're yeah. really good at it well, well thanks that's that's kind of you but you know i didn't really think about it i didn't have time to think about Being typecast it it was radio and it was fun and it's it's what i i feel blessed to have been able to do for 40 years you know it's like it's something that i wanted to do since i was in junior high and uh, lo and behold i'm still doing it you just kind of roll with the punches you know you've worked different formats so you kind of know it's like the music is very very important but and the personality, you know, you have to be, you have to adjust your personality for what station and who you're talking to, and realize you have to picture your audience, and you have to realize that when you're doing the Joe and Timo rock show, you're talking to the rock and roll audience, and when you're doing the. B one hundred and seven show well that's a whole different audience and it's more family like you said more family friendly and you have to be cognizant of what you want to bring to the show every day. Right. So radio has has
1: changed dramatically since we both got into the business about forty years ago. There are no more overnight DJs anymore. It's all voice tracked in most cases, even in big markets. That's the case. Uh, it's become extremely corporate. If you want to stay in the business, you usually have to go from station to station. That really hasn't changed, and yet. again, we predicted the death of radio and it still thrives where, but where is radio headed in your mind?
2: I keep hearing the same thing. Like when MTV came on, you know, that was going to be the death of radio because everybody was going to watch videos and no one's going to listen to the radio when they can see a video and listen to their songs that way. Mm -hmm. Why would they want to listen to the radio? Well, I think radio is strong and going to stay strong. And I, for the reasons I talked about earlier, we're part of the communities that we're in with radio, you don't have to be looking at something like television. You don't have to look at it. You don't really have to pay attention. God knows we want you to pay attention and listen to us. We want to make make it feel like you know everything we say. You're on the edge of your seat, but you're you're not. I mean, it's passive. It really is. You turn it on. You get the news. You get the music. You get the information, but it it just feeds into your brain. And you can be driving and listen to your songs. Listen to what a guy is talking about. You can laugh. And I think it's seamless. I think radio is. I think it's very strong because people want to have that connection what we need to do as radio announcers and as radio stations is be in touch with our communities and reflect that that's what keeps people coming back it's like they don't have to pay attention but you could be doing other things while you're listening to the radio you could be cleaning your kitchen or doing washing your car mowing your lawn have your headphones on and you're hearing some guys make you laugh with funny stories and And or talking about things that are going on in the community or, you know, uh, giving away concert tickets or, you know, show tickets or whatever, telling you about the new shows that are coming to town. I think that we're still in an information age and that's our job is to get the information to be the mouthpiece and to talk to people and and let them know what's going on. So I think radio is really strong still. And I think that because of the fact that it's more than just listening to your favorite songs, we'll stay strong. But and, and there's still room
1: for personality in radio. I think it's it's not the big personalities maybe that we remember from the the 90s, and and it's more you know FM maybe more music intensive than it used to be. But we still listen to radio not only for the local information, I think, but for the voices
2: that we recognize and feel almost safe with. I I couldn't agree more. I think that's I think that's a big big part of it. It's 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 familiarity. And that's my good friend in the morning. I mean, that was the thing that, that like Gabe said way back when, when Timo and I started at, at KFMQ and, and other programmers that I've worked for too. You want to be the friend to the people that are turning the radio on. You you want to be you're, you're there. You're that comfort for them. I mean, they don't want to hear me talk about what a crappy day I had. I mean, yeah. I fell down on the sidewalk yesterday and <laughs> scraped my hands up and scraped <laughs> both my knees while I was out running. But they don't right. want to hear me bitch and moan about that because got, everybody's got their own problems and their own issues. Right. So you want to be the one that picks them up in the morning, right? Or, you know, Mm-hmm. make them feel like they can turn on their friend and get a pick-me-up you, they might have had mm-hmm. the worst day in in their life but you you might say something and you don't even know that you might be saying it that just lifts them up yeah. or maybe they yeah. call you and they say something hey could you guys play a song or whatever you play it or it's somebody's birthday or you you just say hey i heard from tom stevens tom called me today and blah 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 that makes somebody's day uh, in a positive sure. sort of way
1: Joe Scar, my guest of Joe and Tim of Fame and Jenna and Joe. I want to go through a rapid fire list of questions. Just so you're a psychologist or psychiatrist and you just don't even think about the answer. Just first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Uh, what was your, well, this will be easy. Your first job.
2: Uh small little town in uh, Pryor, Oklahoma. KLMS and KKMA.
1: Was that your first radio job or first job period?
2: Oh, my first job. My first yeah. job. I worked for the, my mother worked at a place called North Costco, which was like a costume company, big costume company in the Twin Cities, a big, and Halloween was huge for them, but they did rental costumes for all these colleges and high schools and community theaters, and they they rented them out and whatever, and then they had a lot of retail stuff, so I worked there part-time, and then I went to work at a newspaper where I worked in the printing press, and I helped do the, get the papers out
1: um it, today is halloween we should mention that what's the best costume you ever had
2: uh gene simmons of kiss dressed <laughs> really? to kill me and my best friend went to a kiss concert and we did the dress to kill album cover he was peter chris i was gene simmons yeah i think that was probably my favorite and you know, i was a, a big kiss fan my hair was way longer then, but yep. you I had, had a kind of a, i remember the joe scar
1: mullet a little bit it was
2: there oh, I've was got some flack for the mullet, you know, yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I had, had one, one too. Anymore. No, it's gone. I had one too. Uh you yeah. still have more hair than I do, though. Um <laughs> what never fails to make you laugh? Uh,
2: the movie Caddyshack.
1: Oh yeah? Good uh, good answer.
2: Boy, that's a, Have we that's ever
1: played movie. golf together and not quoted that movie? Has anybody no, ever I don't played think golf together? <laughs> no.
2: Somebody always has at least a Airplane's another good movie. Funny movies make me laugh, you know, even if I've seen them a couple of times.
1: Do you have any hidden talents?
2: Well, uh, I'm a drummer. I play drums.
1: I did not know that. Have you been in a band?
2: Yes, I was in a band uh, when I was in college called Deuce. (laughs) Nice. And you were the drummer. For a couple of years, yeah, in Minneapolis. Deuce. Uh, And I, uh, let's see, uh, yeah, I like to golf. and uh, You know, I like to go hiking and that sort of thing.
1: Did you ever have a nickname? No. Why is that? I had a radio name, but I never had a nickname. Did you ever go in with anything other than Joe Scar in radio? What were some of your other names?
2: My first first radio job, now people, be kind. My first radio job, the guy that hired me, his name was Joe Gavnik, and he went on the air. His name was Joe Allen. So he was on right before me, and then I came on. And so he's like, well, you can't be Joe. And I'm like, why not? And he goes, we can't have back-to-back Joes. And I'm like, okay. So I came up and I thought, well, what if I was Chuck? For some reason, I liked the name Chuck. And he's like, Chuck Scar? No, that doesn't work. And I go, (laughs) my air name was going to be Chuck Evans. I thought that was pretty cool. He's like, no. And he's looking through the phone book in Oklahoma, and he comes across Marquette. Like Marquette Avenue in downtown Minneapolis. Yeah. That's Chuck it. Marquette. You're Chuck Marquette. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. That's funny, funny story. My next job when I got to Hastings, Nebraska, after leaving o- Oklahoma, my first, my next job was Hastings, and the guy who hired me is like, "Are you going to be Chuck Marquette?" I go, "No, I'm going to be Joe Scar." He's like, "Okay." Yeah. So I go on the air the first time I'm on the air. He's first day, the first night I'm on, you know. So he's standing there and. I get done, I do the first break, and I turn around, and I go, how was that? And he goes, oh, it was great, but he says, I thought you were going to be Joe Scar. I go, well, I am. And he goes, well, you just said you're Chuck Marquette like three times, so you're Chuck Marquette. <laughs> so for two well, more years, I was... That's jumping.
1: right. You know Mick Malibu, our friend Tim Sheridan <laughs> used the name Mick Malibu. That's right. Uh, he was on Mix 106, and they all had to have MM names. Yeah. Uh So when... That name died off. I promised him I would bring it back, and I did to cool 105.3. I was Mick Malibu. I remember. So there you go. Uh that's was uh, a horrible
2: name. does anybody ever call you Nick?
1: <laughs> uh they did. They'd call me Nick all the time. I'm gonna know it's Mick, but yeah. not Nick. Do you have a do you have a hero?
2: Oh boy.
1: I mean I don't know. You're a Viking fan of Fran Tarkenton. Is was he ever your hero as a kid?
2: I, I think Fran Tarkenton, probably Bud Grant if we're if we're going down that Path. Yeah, sports heroes: Bud Grant, Fran Tarkenton, Bill Brown, Harmon Killebrew. Heroes for me, probably. I mean, I had people I idolized, I guess, as far as radio people that nobody here would know. People in like in Minneapolis radio right. or that I wanted to be like or whatever. But um, heroes, you know, it sounds corny, but my parents. Sure. I had a pretty good home life and your dad really on the air air that. that's a tough question. You
1: used to have your dad on the air all the time right
2: We had my mom and my dad and, and and that's pretty fun you know I still can go back and listen to tapes you know and listen to my dad and my mom you know on, on the radio with us which was, which was pretty fun
3: Got my dad here How you doing? great just uh, a little excited about getting back up to the lakes area and wet that line catch some walleye. Do You put the walleye on a stick after you catch them. <laughs> you've had walleye. Put them in a pan. Now, <laughs> now back me up here. You've been to the state fair how many times? Well, you've been to the state fair in Minnesota. Oh yeah. I'm not many making times. this up. They have walleye on a stick, right? Right, right. How, how many years on a
4: stick? How many years have been have they been doing walleye on a stick? Oh, probably about five, anyway. I'm guessing you haven't been to the fair as much since Joey's gotten older. You probably took him as a youngster,
3: huh? <laughs> well, uh-huh. I I took his, his grandma and two aunts uh, to the fair <laughs> one year. I got back and my cousin said, Oh, you took the circus to the fair, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Was
3: that the year that uh, Grandma's wig blew off? The tr- you guys were chasing it down the street? <laughs> That was in Mitchell, South Dakota. Oh, I,
4: mean. oh, I want to hear that story. Was At the Corn Palace? Yeah, tell yeah. that story. What was the deal?
3: Well, it was real windy there, and uh, Grandma wore a wig, and uh, it blew off, and <laughs> Helen chased after it and, and threw her purse at it. And,
4: <laughs> <laughs> Come back here.
3: <laughs> Stay here, you hairy thing. Yeah, they, some people thought it was a rabbit. There was this guy. I think it was Carl, actually, shooting at it. Uh,
4: what was uh, going on at the at the palace? Was there an act you were there to see?
3: Well, we just stopped by to see the Corn Palace sure. because we had heard so much of it, but uh, we didn't see a show there. What's it like in person? Haven't you you've uh, been there, haven't you? Oh, God, no. I've only seen the postcards
4: that people sent us.
3: Oh, you got to go. I've was never you, been to Mitchell. Uh, Carmen and I, when we went to the Black Hills a few years ago, we, we stopped at the Corn Palace. And i got to tell you... It's kind of underwhelming. Really? Yeah. They had the corn up on the building. They were still putting some of it up, but it was, it was like July 4th weekend. I mean, it's neat what they're doing, but you kind of expect a little more, I <laughs> think, yeah. don't you? Really? Yeah, it,
2: it's kind of a donut.
1: I mean, no old ladies were chasing <laughs> wigs when I was there.
3: there was, that's pretty
2: hard to Did know. the Vikings
1: ever make you cry?
2: No. They made me awfully mad, but I don't think <laughs> I ever cried.
1: Not even, even 1997, not, not after the... Uh, the I, year I was
2: goal. close to tears on that one. You know, that one, I was I was all set to go to the Super Bowl that year. I think it was Joe Blaha who played for the Vikings, who played sure. for Nebraska. I had asked him, because, you know, the players can get tickets. And he. I said, I'll pay for him, but I just want to be able to get him some tickets. And then I found out that Kiss was going to be playing... <laughs> at the pregame for that <laughs> Super Bowl. And they had, you know, the Vikings were at home playing Atlanta for the championship. I'm like, I'm right. going, you know. Right. And then they right. lose to Atlanta. I was this close to tears. I mean. Uh, that
1: was, Gary Anderson had a kick all year and he misses a only kick. Only one he missed, yeah. The only one he missed all year. You were on a Christmas music station. Do you like Christmas music?
2: I do, strangely. I do like Christmas music. Uh, <laughs> can I tell a story about you? Sure. Go ahead. One of my favorite memories of B107, because you and I worked together at B107. Yeah. I didn't hear you say this, but Jenna heard you and she re- she recorded it or re- related to me the next morning. She goes, Did you hear what Tom said yesterday? I go, No. She goes, He was really distraught. And I go, What happened? She goes, He just goes, Oh, this Christmas music is driving me crazy, man. <laughs> I
1: can't take it anymore.
2: I love Christmas, so I like a lot of the Christmas music. I have my favorites, but I always just kind of liked the Christmas season right. when Christmas would come around, so yeah, I, I I have to admit I liked Christmas music. I listened to it every single year. I I guess I just didn't
1: love that it was the day after Thanksgiving for me.
2: I get I get that for sure. Um, and,
1: but you guys uh, you guys did a great job. I was at B one hundred and seven as you mentioned as well. I loved working at that station. And that was a great experience. So I'm not I'm not dissing it at all. If you could have a superpower, what would it be?
2: Oh, you know, I think if I could have a superpower, it would be flying. I think yeah. I'd rather, I would like to be able to fly. I think you could, you know, if you could fly somewhere, if you could. Yeah. I've always thought that would be cool to be able to fly.
1: Yeah. I think Superman's our greatest hero, right? I mean, cause he can yeah. fly, he can do all the other cool stuff as well, but flying yeah. is uh, way up there. Uh, yeah. What would your autobiography be called? You should write a book about radio.
2: At one point, I actually contemplated writing and culling a bunch of these radio stories because we've got millions of them over the years. And I thought about what would I call it? And at one point, I I was thinking something like the lonely breed or the lonely something or the lonely nomads or whatever, because you made reference Mm -hmm. to it earlier most of us have gone to different markets right and moved around and moved around and there could be a little bit of loneliness in that you're you know when i was single it was like you know i was down in oklahoma then i was in hastings then i was in grand yeah. island back to minneapolis and i was in haste or lincoln and then i was in oklahoma city and then i was back to lincoln it's like thank god i had my wife with me for you know for many of those and, and uh i think sometimes it's like yeah. okay make me laugh smart guy you know yeah that's right work or play are you more
1: of a work or play guy
2: well i love to play but i think i probably spend more time working i i like what i do so it makes it easy to be a work guy Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong i love to play i love my free time i love to get out and do play golf or run or you know are you a dog or cat guy i'm a dog do you
1: have dogs right now uh no you have those
2: within the last year so i'm sorry sorry.
1: Sorry if we want to get
2: another dog or not oh no Uh,
1: I want a dog, but uh, Heidi's been through that. My wife has been through that in a previous life and uh, doesn't want to do it again. Uh, and we're, never, we're not home enough to have dogs, but I really want one. Yeah. Are you a salty or sweet guy? Sweet. Something in your office that people might be surprised about?
2: Um Anything? They might be surprised as I look at my Good Life Halsey uh, bib over here. I just ran the uh, Good Life Halsey. Uh, that, you did? That I accomplished a half marathon in my 60s. And they might be surprised to see my music collection with Mozart and the Rat Pack. I think a lot of people are surprised when I tell them that I, you know, I'm know, i a Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin fan. And I, and I love, I'm a big, I just love Mozart. But for some reason, people find really, out, yeah, people find, find that really strange coming from that me. Is, but,
1: that is strange, yeah. Uh, because you would make uh, fun of Timo all the time for going to like uh, we'll see Yanni. Yanni, concerts. Yanni, yeah, you saw Yanni, right. <laughs> I remember, and you made fun of him for that. That's okay, though. Hey, I, I want to mention your family, you've been married for 32 years, I've known Carmen all of that time. You have, um,
2: you knew her. Probably shortly after I met her because yes. we were working together at KFMQ at the time.
1: Yeah, but yep. she liked you. She didn't like me. Uh, but she picked the right guy. Thirty-two years. What's made it work for you guys?
2: Love, first of all, and just we like being around each other. And she's a she's a great support system for me. And um, have always had fun. We like doing things together. We like being with each other. And and I think that's a that's a big plus, you know, Canyon
1: is 22. Isabel is 19. What are your kids up to kids? They're adults now.
2: Yeah. My son is, uh, at the university, a senior at the university, playing in a couple of bands in town and, uh, working in town. And my daughter just started her first year of college at, uh, Smith college in Massachusetts. So she's, uh, She's only been there a couple of months so she's getting used to it. So she uh she's a long ways away, but it's it's nice these days with FaceTime and uh that nice. sort of stuff, Zoom, you can kind of see them while you're talking to them, so that's kind of nice.
1: Would you describe your family as a close one?
2: Yes, very much so. Yes.
1: Like you do everything together if if it's possible.
2: You know, <laughs> as you know as the kids get into their high school years and and out of high school they kind of they're doing their own things and their own lives, but yeah, my my family, we still get together quite often. And, you know, we do a lot together, but not as much as when they were little, of course, but yeah, we're still very close.
1: If you would rank your luck one to 10, where would it be?
2: 10 luck. As you know, in this business, it's, it's, you can have all the talent in the world. I don't know that I'm much more talented than, you know, another guy across the street or whatever, but being at the right place at the right time. And I think some of it has to do with Personality and stuff and and, and everything, but i I've been very lucky. I, I feel I've been lucky in my in my work and in you know lucky to find Carmen and lucky health wise. I take care of myself, but I think luck. I don't like to leave things to chance and to luck, but I think I've I've been pretty lucky. I mean, I was lucky to be able to get hired at B one hundred seven after losing a job at at the Eagle, you know, I and mean, lucky to be able to stay in, in town here. And mm. I, I think luck. I think it's. I'd rank that. Well,
1: you you have made your own luck. I remember getting off the air at, at 6 o'clock and you're still in the building after getting there at 5 a.m. or back in the building for the fourth time that day. Yeah. Uh, and that was the case at KFMQ. That was certainly the case at The Eagle. You were a hard, and still are, a really hard worker. But as you said, it's a lot easier to do that when you love it.
2: Yeah, it really is i was saying earlier i i, I decided in, in junior high this is what i wanted to do i was the kid who went to sleep with the transistor radio under my pillow that'll give you an idea how old i was or am but i mean i listened to good radio minneapolis radio i was at night wls out of chicago remember Bleecker street from little rock sure. arkansas yeah. that's the kind of stuff i mean I, I i think i knew having worked or even before i started working in, in like a newspaper press room i mean i knew that i didn't want to stack boxes for a living i knew that if I was going to work for the rest of my life I want to do something I enjoy and I always enjoyed music and I you know I started out doing music and I did play-by-play in sports and I love sports but I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do and I've been fortunate enough to do it so I mean I think if you love it you know you hear people say all the time to really love your job find something you love and make it your job well not everybody has a chance to do that and you know, I took the steps to get where i where I am, but I feel you know pretty fortunate. So
1: well, there's not a lot of people that have the talent, even if they want to be in radio. If they want to have a family and be in radio, sometimes <laughs> those two don't go together, but you've yeah. been fortunate to have the success that goes along with it. But how do you want to be remembered?
2: You know, I want to be remembered as somebody who uh, was always kind to, to to people and who had a good thing to say. I don't want to be, you know, remembered as a a jerk. I think it's important to have a legacy of being a, a person who who brought things to the table, who helped people, who was there as a as a good friend. I want to be remembered for the things I do outside of radio. You know, the things even in in within radio. You know, like the Christmas wish and helping people. I mean, being being a, a person that. That takes pride in, in being a good person, having a conscience. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that, that don't, that don't really think about the other guy or gal or don't think about other people. I think that means a lot to me to be to be aware of what other people are going through as well. Just to be, I, to well be, I'd like to be remembered as a, a good person and, and somebody who did, did good.
1: And let's face it, we hire people we want to be around, along with the talent. You're fun to be around, and I think that's why people want you in the station. You're not only great at what you do, but you're you're just a good guy. And it's been uh, my fortune to have known you for over 30 years, and I'm I'm very grateful for it, Joe. Thanks for the time.
2: Absolutely, you're gonna make my head get really big with all those kind words, and I I, I thank you. I mean, we we uh, we've known each other a long time, like you said, and I, I appreciate it so. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity to, to be to be on with you. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Tom.
0: Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Nebraska Gems.